hear the word of the Lord as he speaks to us this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, this is a continuation of what Jerry just read for us, and if you were able to follow along with that, hopefully this will capture your attention as it has mine. For the scripture tells us this, through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God grant that we follow this and understand it, and may it transform our lives like I hope and pray that it does for each and every one of you. Please be seated, and if you would, grab your Bibles. As always, I love to have the scripture in front of you and have it open. This is a quick text, a short text, but it does follow nicely on what we were just reading, what Jerry just read for us. So it'll be helpful if you have your scriptures before you. You can kind of track some of that together as we look at Hebrews 13, very towards the very end of your Bible, Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16. Today we're going to tackle what I think is one of the most deadly enemies of our faith and our witness. That is hypocrisy. I think hypocrisy is one of the greatest deadly enemies of our faith and of our witness. We're going to talk a little bit about hypocrisy here today. Most of you are familiar somewhat with the idea and the concept behind hypocrisy, uh, saying one thing, having your life live out another one. You're aware of the deadly factors of hypocrisy and what it does. Uh, The word itself comes from Uh, The Greek drama uh, area, the uh, play staging and stuff like that that the Greeks used to do, uh, as opposed to what we kind of do today and our actors kind of take on a position and we kind of have to assume who they are. Back in the ancient uh, Greek time period, what an actor would do is he would wear a mask. And the mask itself, he would speak through the mask, and the mask itself would be kind of symptomatic of the character that he's portraying. If he's a warrior or a hero or a god or a demon or an animal or whatever, the mask that he would wear would kind of dictate to you kind of who that person was. And, that, that was, and the mask itself was called a hypocrite because you would speak through the mask. And the mask would shade or cover who you really are. And so the, the mask itself was a hypocrite. And ultimately then that word passed into our language to identify those people who say one thing and live another. Now I've just articulated and I want to take a few seconds to lay it out before we look at the text and try to see what it speaks to, how we are to tackle this demon or this uh, great enemy of hypocrisy. I've said that it's an enemy of our faith. Uh, And I totally believe that. The scripture portrays hypocrisy kind of in two different ways. Uh, There are those folks that are very intentional and blatant and uh, 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 conscious of their hypocrisy. Uh, At a time period where it used to be socially appropriate and where it was necessary for your social standing to go to church, uh, this was a number of generations ago, uh, there were lots of people, I believe, that probably gave themselves over to the service of the church uh, who voiced what they believed and what they thought they were supposed to say and yet whose hearts were not turned towards the Lord. And they did it very much so so that they would have that appropriate standing before the community. That's a blatant hypocrisy that is touched on in the scriptures. Uh, but more frequently, I think for us, is a more unconscious 
uh, unintended hypocrisy. This is the kind of hypocrisy that I know that I fall into, much to my chagrin, where our lives do not match up to our profession, that we say one thing, that we believe one thing, and then our lives simply don't match up to that. And so consequently, our hypocrisy is an attack, uh, it's an enemy of our faith, because our faith is that which drives us to trust in the promises of God. And to the extent, either in a small way or in a big way, that I am hypocritical in my life, it is because I have failed to trust wholeheartedly in the promises of God. To the extent that the charge can legitimately laid, be laid at your feet that you do not live up to your profession. At core, that is because you are not trusting as you should in the promises of our God. It's also a great enemy of our witness, and uh, most of you are well aware of this, uh, that the number one reason that is brought forward for a rejection of the gospel is not that the message doesn't make sense, it's not that somebody doesn't like the message. It's not that they don't want to be saved. It's not even that they don't believe in God. It is the hypocrisy of Christians. Our hypocrisy is the excuse, and I think it's an excuse most of the time, but nevertheless, it is the excuse that people use to reject the core gospel message. We have been talking over the past a couple of months about the essentials, some core ideas that we hold to. And I have tried, uh, I missed a couple weeks, but I have tried almost every week to stress the idea that these core beliefs that we're holding on to are not simply things that we're supposed to shape our minds. Uh, it's essential that we understand the essentials, that we recognize that when we talk about the essentials, when we talk about the core foundational ideas of our belief, we're not talking about a list of doctrines that we check off and say, yes, we believe this, yes, we believe this, yes, we believe this. We are talking about something that is supposed to change and impact our lives, and to the extent that it doesn't, we are being hypocritical about those essentials. If we believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins, if we don't live that way, we are being hypocritical. If we believe that part of Christ's salvation, transformation of our lives, is that he leads us into a godly living, a holy life, and we don't live that way, we are being hypocritical. If a man and a woman get married, uh, and they know and they have in their mind, hey, two have become one flesh, they can know that. But all of us know that the challenge is to live that. Every parent that I ever talk to will accept the fact that their primary responsibility, far beyond keeping their kids safe, far beyond preparing them for this world or educating them, is preparing them for the next world. It is enabling them to be exposed to the gospel message of Jesus Christ so at time they might embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior. Every parent that I ever talk to acknowledges that, says that, and yet when we don't live that way, that the first goal with my kids is to prepare them to meet the Lord. When I don't live like that, I'm being hypocritical. Most of us know the Ten Commandments and are able to identify that we are supposed to honor our mother and our fathers, but they drive us nuts. And so we have a hard time figuring out how to do that. We know it, but we are hypocritical 
in the fact that we do not act that way. So if hypocrisy is such an enemy to our faith and to our witness, how do we go about dealing with that? How are we to combat that hypocrisy? Well, I think the passage that Jerry read and leading into the last two verses that I just looked at helps set us up for that. The whole book of the book of Hebrews talks about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. This is who Christ is. He is supreme above all else in his salvation for you, in his rule over you, in his love for you. Christ above everything else is supreme and dominant. And then the last half of the book says, and if he has made you new, if he is supreme in your life, then there are new things that are open for you. Live in this newness. Live in this way. And the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 13 is basically a big long list of, hey, here are the things in which you should do. Here are the things in which you live in that newness of life so that you can reflect well that supremacy, that overarching blessing that Christ has given to you on the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's easy to miss those verses. And so I don't want us to today. I want to draw our attention again specifically to verses 15 and 16 where we have what I'm going to argue here is going to be the guts of how we battle hypocrisy in our own lives and in the lives of our brothers and sisters around us. This is the way that I want you to challenge me when you think I'm being hypocritical. And this is frankly the way that I want to, if I have the guts of my profession, to challenge you if I fear that you are being hypocritical in your profession of your faith. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Please, please, I beg you, because if you miss the first two words, everything that I say will be nothing but a false religion. Everything I say will just be wrong if you miss the first two words. Jerry's passage that he read in the preceding verses are a list of things. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then they are summarized by the author saying, through Christ, do this. And the through Christ is just not a throw in. It's just not a nice way of saying things. It is crucial that you live your life through Christ. What does the text mean by that? It means that the very empowerment that you have to accomplish any of the things that are discussed here, the only way in which you will ever combat faithfully hypocrisy in your life is not by bucking up and being a good soldier. It is by recognizing that everything in your life is through Christ. Christ has already done the job. You're not out there trying to accomplish something you're living into what Christ has already done. And if you miss that, then all your efforts will for entirely be in vain. Indeed, it will work against you. It will work against you. But instead, this text reminds us that everything we're talking about here is through Jesus Christ. So there's going to be a lot of do this in today's sermon. Every one of those do thises come under the umbrella that this happens, this is only possible through the grace of Jesus Christ. Because of God's grace, you are where you are. And now, 
live this way? What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Okay, now what is praise? Praise is that which I think most of us associate and can appreciate. Praise is the articulation, the enumeration of God's greatness and his qualities, the majesty of our Lord, his supremacy over all things. It is identifying and, or, and saying God's worth. God, you are worthy and we are not. That is praise. Praise is in guts worship. It is worship to God. And the worship then is this praise. And so what, we're, what I'm trying to set up for us here is the author says, look, if you don't want to be a hypocrite, if you want to live faithfully into the new calling that God has given to you, then praise, praise God. Worship is the first thing that this passage identifies is the antidote to being a hypocrite. But it's not just that. Notice what the text actually says. It doesn't say, through him, let us continually praise God. By the way, please don't miss that continually. We'll look at that for a second. It doesn't say, let us continually praise God. It says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Now, this is the phrase that originally drew me to this text for today, because I want to talk about sacrifice and sacrifice of praise. All right most of us have some picture of what sacrifice is, and usually we use it metaphorically as the author is here. The author uses it metaphorically here, but we know the guts behind it. We know the history behind the idea of a sacrifice. You know, you take an animal and you give it to God, and by giving it to God, you kill it because it's standing in your place, and the blood runs, and then you burn it or you offer it in some fashion or another. Overwhelmingly, that's kind of what we have in mind, and we should when we talk about sacrifice. The core concept behind a sacrifice is that it's costly. It's expensive. It's difficult. It's hard. The whole concept of a sacrifice is that it is supposed to cost you. Often when we say sacrifice, we're using it so metaphorically that we don't mean anything by that. I don't believe that's what the scripture here refers. You know, well, it's some minor inconvenience, therefore it's such a sacrifice for me. You know, something like that. I don't think that's what this text is saying. When the author of the Bible says, offer up a sacrifice of praise, I think he's talking about a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice, something that is hard, something that is difficult, something that is a struggle. That's what it is, a sacrifice of praise. How is our worship to be a sacrifice? How is our worship supposed to be hard, costly. My mother always says, if it doesn't cost you anything, it's not much of a sacrifice. And we all know that is true. So how is our praise supposed to be difficult? Well, let me challenge you with something. Go home today and try to praise the Lord for five straight minutes. I take it back. Try to praise the Lord for two straight minutes. I mean do nothing but a, a credit to the Lord, his glory and his majesty. Do nothing but that for two straight minutes. And then come back and tell me if you think it's hard or not. We are so self-absorbed by the power of sin that works within us 
And God is so other. He is so holy. He is so righteous that it's hard to do that. But I'll tell you one of the reasons why it's hard for me to praise the Lord and why praise is a sacrifice is because I live in a messed up world. And notice that this thing doesn't say every once in a while sacrifice praise to God. It says continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That means when I read about the butchery and the violence in the Middle East, I'm to continually praise God. Let me tell you, that's really hard to do. When I drive around Pittsburgh and I see the poverty and the brokenness and I see the living conditions of some people that live within a mile of me, it's really hard to continually praise God. When I'm on the phone with somebody and they've just lost their child to cancer, it's really hard to continually praise God. But this text doesn't say to praise God when it's easy. This text says that if you want to be a man or woman who is consistently battling hypocrisy in your life, then be a person who knows how to praise God continually, even in the face of the horrors of this world. Now this sets it up that what I'm saying as a Christian is that we should live a Pollyannish life, you know, we should just kind of be clueless and go through life saying, oh, look at how wonderful everything is. Um, Christ never did that. You are never to do that. But Christ offered up a sacrifice of praise continually to his Father. And so are we to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. The passage rolls on in verse 16 then. Do not neglect to do good. And I love the way that it's phrased there. Do not neglect to do good. In other words, it's not just make sure that you're out there doing good, but don't be passive and neglect it. Be, be proactive. Do that which is good. Do what is good. And when we say do what is good, how, what are we summarizing this as? And I'm, I'm going to summarize it this way because it fits wonderfully within the paradigm that we're trying to operate with here out of Hebron, the idea that to the praise of his glory, we are pursuing worship plus two. What is part of the plus two? It is service. Do good. Give to the service of others. If you don't want to be a hypocrite, give to the service of others. Now, I look out here, and most of the people that I see, I could sit there and I can identify some of the things that you are doing to build the kingdom. And man, do I appreciate that. A lot of you are doing it right around the expression of the kingdom here at Hebron Church, and that's great. But make sure you read the end of the verse. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. In other words, you are supposed to do good. You are supposed to serve other people as a sacrifice when it is hard, when it is difficult. And I'll tell you why service is so difficult. Two reasons. First is because you're serving other people and they're a mess. And it's hard to give sacrificially of yourself when the other people 
just don't deserve it. Or they don't appreciate it. Or they don't acknowledge it. Look, a lot of times, if you're serving in this world for your king, you will hear positive affirmation. You will hear of the impact of your service. It's great. It's uplifting. But I guarantee you, and, and I guarantee you talk to other people in this room who serve consistently to the Lord and you say how frequently is that affirmation? How frequently are you sure that the service that you are giving means something? Most of the time people are going to admit that it just doesn't. Now we know that it does because the Lord is behind it. But by any human measurement it is hard to see the impact of our service is hard because people are hard because sin is hard secondly service is tough because it takes time uh, some of you are serving because you have a lot of time and you have time to give and you have excess time that's great thank you very much continue to do so but for most of us our time is tight our time, there's lots of things that are competingly calling upon our time, and this text calls you to sacrifice your time for service, to do good to other people. That means it's never right to say, well, you know, I just, I would rather do, or I'm doing something else, or I'm doing this for myself, or whatever. The question is, are you sacrificing? In other words, are you giving up what you want to do with that time? to help other people. There's no other way to understand a sacrifice of service than to realize that it's going to cost you something that you would rather be doing. But then finally, the passage goes on, do not neglect to do what is good and to share what you have. To share what you have. This is a recognition that the Lord has blessed every one of us, either to more or less with material provisions. God has given you money. God has given you a car. God has given you a home. God has given you food. God has given you whatever. And we are to share those with one another. But we are to share those with one another sacrificially. Now again, my guess is, and I don't know everybody's finances here in this room, but my guess is that there's many of you that are giving out of the abundance that God has given you. God gives you finances. God gives you extra houses. God gives you extra whatever. And you're willing to give it away because God has given you so much extra. That's great. Continue to do it. But this text is pushing you to sacrifice. It is a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord. That means that you're giving when it's hard. Now again, I don't know your situations, but I know that if everyone gave till it was hard for them, costly upon them, that they had to reduce what they wanted to do with their own funding because they were funding the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God in this place would look different. That the kingdom of God across the world would look different. Again, it's great when we give of the abundance that God has given to us. But this text 
talks about a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of service and time, and a sacrifice of our material possessions. The sacrifice is built in costly. So what I think the author is saying after this big long list of do this, do this, do this, do this, he sits there and says, and this is possible through Jesus Christ. Now, do this. Praise the Lord. Worship him, even when it's hard. Give to the furthering of his kingdom, even when it's hard. And give to the betterment of your brothers and sisters here in this place and around the world, even when it's hard. Especially when it's challenging to you. That's what it means for us, I think, to fight and combat that hypocrisy that eats away at our hearts. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do ask with great concern and challenge in our lives that you would bless us with the ability to see the moments of hypocrisy that are before us and then to combat those moments of hypocrisy with praise, with service, and with giving. And Lord, that we would sacrifice, that we would battle those things to the level of even a costly self-denial that reflects the great blessing that is ours through Jesus Christ. For it is dependent upon the grace that we have in Christ that we are able to do all that we proclaim as part of essential to our faith that you have laid before us. Bless us with that and all things we pray through Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.